This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked the people are. But Jonah got up and went to the, in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarsus. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarsus. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for they had already told them that he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it, they groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop the storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to the land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded. Don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death, O Lord. You have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Hello, everybody. Bob, thank you for the introduction. Uh, I remember just three summers ago, sitting in Bob's house after a prayer meeting, and he said, Jake, have you ever thought about being a pastor? My response was something like, absolutely not. (laughs) Heck no. Uh, And my mom had asked me sometime back in high school uh, as well, and it was just, it was not even something in my mind, but he, he planted that seed, and I guess we'll see where life takes me, but something started growing inside of me, something very real. And uh, it's funny how we receive these messages from, from people in our lives. Sometimes they're, they're something small, sometimes it's significant. Uh, as I've come to faith, there have been a number of people involved in, in, in this process. My grandpa, when I was 12 years old, I remember him saying something to me that I've never forgotten. He said, Jake, the most important thing in life is your walk with Jesus Christ. 
And at the time, you know, I mean, you hear that type of stuff all the time, but I have a great respect for my grandpa, and, and that stuck with me. Uh, I was a skeptic in high school, and at 16 years old, my sister-in-law, who's here today, shared a book with me. And uh, it was just a simple gesture of like, hey, read this. You know, it, it kind of opened my eyes, and that's exactly what it did. It opened my eyes to uh, the gospel uh, being a potentially real solution to the things that I was struggling with at that time. And so I started seeking. I started reading scripture, and, and I started to develop a faith in high school. And then in college, I kind of just pushed it away for a couple of years. I ignored it for a while. I did the whole drinking party and that whole thing. I had a good time. And then I got to a point in my life, uh, I remember one uh, chapter meeting in my fraternity, and we had an alumni that came and, and spoke to us, and he said, guys, I had a great time in college, it's awesome, I'm glad you're here, um, but the biggest mistake I ever made was that in college, I, I forgot about my faith, my relationship with God. He said, do not forget that while you're in college. So that was the end of my sophomore year, and, and by the beginning of my junior year, I was dating uh, the girl who's now my wife, and, and we were in kind of a, a lot of turmoil, uh, unhealthy relationship, and based on what he had said, and what I, we just, we both needed uh, something to, to fix us. So we came to Schweitzer, uh, you know, who doesn't just go to church when they need something to fix them? Uh, we came to Schweitzer, we heard Bob's messages, and they really started to speak to us. So we started to come back. Bob started talking about uh, the G12 series. Uh, some of you might remember the G12 series, the good and beautiful God, the good and beautiful life. And he said, you know, come and, and, and start groups. And so they assigned us to groups of people where we would uh, sit and, and talk about these books that we would read. And we would share our faith. And I got this like pouring of, of God's love into me from all of these, these people in my group. And I made some really, really good friends in that group. And then, then from that group, I think they recognized that I was... I, I was building a passion for God, and, and Bob invited a group of us men to his house during the summer. And that summer, uh, we prayed together, and, and we held each other accountable, and we confessed our, our struggles and our sins together. And it was just this powerful time in my life. I remember showing up to the meetings, and I'd say, guys, like, I've got, I've got the, this love and this energy inside of me and this passion to do something, and I just don't know what to do with it. I'm exploding from the seams, and I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what to do. I got to put it somewhere. I even tried, I tried prison ministry. That didn't work out extremely well. I didn't relate very well to the people in prison. Uh, but uh, it, it was a great ministry. It just wasn't for me. So I started seeking all these different options. And then I got the opportunity to go to Church of the Center. Church of the Center is where I met Mark. Um, and he, he simply said the first day I met him, you know, you want to come to my house for coffee next Wednesday morning? before work. And so, yeah, I showed up at 5.30 or 6 o'clock in the morning. We had coffee and we talked about our faith. And since that day, over two years ago, um, I'll be darned if we haven't missed, you know, two or three Wednesday morning coffee meetings in over two years. Mark has become my uh, spiritual advisor, my pastor, my mentor, and my best friend, other than my wife. Uh, there have been a number of people that have just poured into me. And I have this uh, great appreciation for these people that have invested even just these little things into my life or spent time with me. And I've, I've been filled up to the brim with God's love. I'm like pouring over just like with, with his love. And, and it's so often I pour it right down the drain. I pour all of this extra love right down the drain. It's wasteful, is it not? 
that God's love is, is so precious. It's so life-giving, and we can keep it to ourselves. There's a, a phrase that I've heard dozens of times in my life, and it's this. I believe in God, but my faith is just personal to me. Right? And many times I've heard a, a wife say this about her husband, and that, that's not stereotyping. That's just in the context that I've heard it. But, you know, yeah, he, he believes in God. He has a faith. It's just, it's just personal to him. Now, there's something uh, I want you guys to understand. Having a personal faith uh, is real. You know, God's relationship with us is very personal. Uh, it's unique, I think is a better word. He made us all uniquely. He, he guides us in a very unique and personal way. He gets down to our level. He speaks to us personally. So in that respect, yes, faith can be personal. But when I hear that phrase, my faith is personal, typically what the person saying it means is my faith is private. And there's a difference between a private faith and a personal faith. The question I want to ask you this morning is, can a private faith be real faith? I think we're going to get the answer in, in the scriptures tonight. I'm not going to reread uh, the whole thing because Bob shared that story with us. But I'm going, to, I'm going to take us through the first chapter of Jonah and see what it says, all right? Verses 1 and 2 um, speak to this, I mean, just directly. The Lord gave this message to Jonah. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Okay, three things we get from just these first two verses. One, the story is not just about God and Jonah. Right? Immediately, we have God, Jonah, and Nineveh, others in the world. The story is, is not just about you and God. It's about how you and God and your relationship affects the world around you. God's call on your life to pour love into other people. So that's what we're reading about. That's, that's step one. Now, the second thing that these first two verses tell us is that God has compassion and mercy and love for everybody in the world. It's, it says here, uh, he tells Jonah to announce my judgment against Nineveh because I have seen how wicked its people are. That language all right, the, the way that the language sounds to us from the Old Testament oftentimes sounds very, like, judgy and wrathful and, and angry. And so people tend to separate the Old Testament God from the New Testament God and say the New Testament is all love and, you know, fluff. <laughs> and that's just not the case. And I can prove it even in the, in the book of Jonah itself. It, it sounds this way, but if we jump forward to the end of chapter 3, the beginning of chapter 4, when Nineveh does repent and change, God, God pulls back his judgment, saves all, spares all of their lives. And what does Jonah say? Jonah says, God, I knew you would do this. He's ticked. I knew you would do this because you're compassionate, you're merciful, and you're filled with unfailing love. Right? So God telling Jonah to go do this was, was because of his unfailing love for the people of Nineveh. They were not God's people that day, but to God they were. Uh, the third thing we get from verses one or two, one and two, is that God uses human beings to carry that message. 
God uses human beings to carry his message. There have been a select few people uh, in Scripture uh, that God has uh, just spoken to directly. Most times, and to most of us, um, unless it's like kind of miraculous or him guiding us personally, we, we are spoken to through people. Now Jonah, of course, he says, I don't want to do that. I don't want anything to do with that. And he hops on a ship and he goes the exact opposite direction. Actually, if we could throw up the map, that'd be great. I did this on Google Maps. Uh, the green dot is where Jonah was. It's modern-day Israel. God says, go to Nineveh, which is in modern-day Iraq, the Jewish star. <laughs> that was a nice touch. Um, and the red dot is where Jonah goes to. What's funny about this is that uh, back in those days, the red dot is literally as far west in the known world as he could have possibly gone. Right? It's right on the edge of the sea. And Jonah's just, he's booking it. See ya. <laughs> and I can relate to Jonah. Uh, I can imagine when he's getting on this ship, you know, he, he's feeling compelled to do something because God told him to, and he just doesn't want to do it. He wants nothing to do with it. All right, the Ninevites were his enemies. <laughs> They were a ruthless people. He was probably terrified of going, and he probably hated them. So no, God, I'm not going to go preach to them. They'll kill me. So he gets on this boat, and I can, I can imagine him just being stubborn and unrelenting. and kind of You know how we get when, when we're stubborn. You know, it's just, it's about me, you know. This is just, this is between me and God. You know what, God, if you want to punish me, that's fine, but it's just between me and God. Well, we find out very quickly that that's not the case. <clears throat> In verse 4, it says that God creates a storm, that he hurls a storm on the sea that threatens to break the ship apart. Now, this is the first sign of disapproval. <clears throat> but it's funny that not just Jonah is feeling the, the weight of those consequences. The entire crew on the ship is, is experiencing the storm that God hurls on the sea. So immediately, it's not just Jonah and God, but everybody else involved. <clears throat> we like to think that we, when we decide to run from God, it doesn't affect anyone else. And Matt Chandler is a preacher down in Texas who has a saying, no one sins alone. It's short but profound, right? No one sins alone. In verse 5, it says, Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help. Now, this is important because it offers us insight into how the world uh, manages when things get rocky, right? How we as human beings naturally deal uh, with life when we lose our sense of security, right? Our ship is breaking apart. Our lives are at stake. We are deathly afraid. What does the world do? It says the sailors shouted to their gods for help. Back in that day, uh, most of the people in the world, except for the Israelites, were polytheistic. This means that they worshipped many gods. And you could have a god for just about anything. They had a god for the sun and the moon and the stars and a god for agriculture, a god for sexual pleasure, a god for uh, success uh, in business. You know, you name it, there was a god for it. And, and they would choose which gods they wanted to worship. Whichever gods they worshipped, they would make sacrifices to these gods and expect or at least hope to be blessed by these gods, right? Now, fast forward 3,000 years-ish. We like to think we're intellectually advanced and sophisticated and all that's crazy, you know? Guys praying to 
these gods to save them that obviously don't exist. Um, but I think we've really just come full circle. If we look at what we're doing today, uh, we might not be worshiping the spiritual deities assigned to these items or these things, but we're worshiping the things themselves. It's the exact same thing. We're just, we're just calling it something different. Think about it. Uh, if, you, if you decide that your career is the most important thing in your life, then you worship it and you sacrifice other things like time with family or your mental or emotional health, and you expect to be blessed and to reap the benefits from your career. If you decide that your uh, kids are most important to you, then you maybe sacrifice your marriage. Once your kids go away, you realize your marriage is, is gone. You expect to be blessed by your kids. You see the relationship here? Nothing has really changed. And the issue is that we can get by most of the time in life when everything's calm without any real sense of our security slipping away. But once the storm hits and we cry out to these gods, we say, wait, save me. And you get no response. It's no surprise that, you know, the God of sexuality isn't going to save their ship from sinking. <laughs> the fact is, anything other than the real God, the reason that they're insufficient is because when your ship sinks, they go down with you. They sink with you. So what we see the sailors start to do in this story, is they start searching for other gods. They've realized that theirs are insufficient. And they run and they find Jonah. Seems like the last guy on the boat who wasn't panicking. In fact, he was sleeping. And they say, cry out to your gods. We get a picture of, of Jonah sleeping here on the boat. And man, what, uh, what an image this is. I mean, how could Jonah be sleeping amidst a storm, first of all? To me, this, this is a picture of many Christian lives today in relationship to a world around them. Look, our world is desperate. It says here that, that the sailors feared for their lives and that they were desperate. Our world is desperate to know the real God that can save them. Our world is desperate to have eternal hope and salvation. Our world is desperate to be free from addiction our world is desperate to have joy in everything that they do. They're desperate to have meaning and purpose in their lives. They're desperate. And as Christians, we, we hold the key to, to this knowledge. We hold the key to salvation, the, the answer, the solution to all of their problems, and we're sleeping on it. It's criminal. We've been given this gift of abundant life. And for the sake of our faith being private, for the sake of our own security, uh, we're able to just fall asleep when the world around us is, is falling and suffering and in pain. Uh, there was an atheist, comedian, and magician named Penn Gillette. He's quoted with saying, how much do you have to hate somebody to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them about it. I'll say that again. How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them about it? 
And it's a great question. This is an atheist. Uh, you know, typically people get annoyed when Christians share their faith. But he's like, honestly, man, if you believe what you believe, how could you not? If you love me, if you care about me, how could you not share it with me? And now, I think a lot of you out there are probably hearing me and, and thinking I'm telling you to, like, go out and just start, just start talking about Jesus with everybody you know. Absolutely not. In fact, I think that can get pretty annoying. I think that our uh, culture is just saturated with God and Jesus, especially living in the Bible Belt. We get way too much of that. There's billboards that say, you know, Jesus loves you. What? That's not what I'm saying at all. Uh, in fact, we even see that in, in the story here, when Jonah kind of fesses up, right, they say, who are you, where are you from? He says, he says this is my God. All right, this is the real God. He tells them, plain, this is the God that created the land and the sea. This is the God that can save you. And here's how, throw me off the ship. He gives them the solution, right? Plain and simple, and what do they do? They row harder. The storm gets stronger, and they row harder. It's all out on the table, right? It wasn't until Jonah was thrown off the ship until the storm ceased that the sailors fell in awe and worshiped God and offered sacrifices to him. They saw the results of real sacrifice, compassion, and love. Now really this story is more than, uh, it's, 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 about much more than just Jonah. Okay, anytime we see a prophet in the Old Testament, we have to think, we have to know that his life or his words that he wrote down all point towards someone greater than him. In this case, well, in every case, they point towards one man, Jesus. See, Jesus, in, in Matthew chapter 12, uh, this is hundreds and hundreds of years later that this happened, and the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious leaders are talking to Jesus, and they say, show us a sign. They want to see something miraculous. He's been healing people, and you'll show us something good here. And he sa- you know what he says? He says, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. What Jesus is saying is this entire story that you guys have been reading for hundreds of years isn't about just that story. It's about me. The story is about me. And then we begin to see the similarities. See, Jesus was predicting his own death. Jesus was saying, you know how Jonah, out of an act of love and compassion and obedience and whatever, sacrificed his own life for the sake of those on the ship? Yeah, I'm going to do the same thing for you. But I'm perfect and sinless. I'm actually going to take your judgment, not my own. Jonah spent three days in the belly of a fish. I know, it sounds ridiculous, right? Whether it's metaphorical or not, the point is that Jesus spent three days in the ground, dead. And he was resurrected. Guys, the story is about so much more than just Jonah. 
It's about so much more than just you and God. It's about how all of this relates to people. As Christians, we uh, must jump off the boat. You know, Jesus always said, he said, take up your cross and follow me, right? He says, I'm going there. You better be ready to go there with me too. Because if not, you don't receive this gift that I've given you. I I have a friend, uh, actually, (laughs) I don't know if I can call him a friend because uh, he's just a guy I know. I've been in seminary school for five weeks and it's online, so I've never even met him. But he... He, we do discussion boards, and, and just last night, he posted something on the discussion board. It was some wisdom he had received from God uh, back in 2006. In prayer, God had spoke this into his life, it, more of a mission. And so this is what God said to this man named Din, okay? I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to pretend that God is saying this to you. I hope you see now that I love you. I never stopped and I never left you. Remember that from now on. You forgot about me, but that's all, that, that's all in the past now. I forgive you because I love you and claim you as my own. Now that you have the peace and comfort you thought you lost, please know that it comes with a price. Faith in me and the benefit of this reward is something you must work at every day from now on. It's no longer enough for you to sit by and take If you want to remain in me, if you want to have that peace always in your life, you will only receive it by doing my work. Stretch yourself. Use the gifts I have given you to help others in need. You see, I love them too. Reach out in faith. I won't let you fall, and you will find them. I've taught you how to face your fears, to trust, and to love again. It's time for you to help me, as there's a lot of work to be done. Isn't that beautiful? If Christians were just, rather than being so quick to say, Jesus loves you, if we could just show people, we love you, say, I love you, through our actions, be willing to sacrifice ourselves for the sake of others, how would the world change? How would people see God? Would it open them up to hear the true word and to see the true God? I believe so. Our application tonight uh, is in regards to mentoring. Last week, we had a really good uh, speaker come in. I think his name was Brent. Uh, he talked about this, talked about mentoring and getting in these types of relationships, okay? Uh, the most significant relationships in my life have been those uh, with people who have poured into me, and I wouldn't be who I am or where I'm at without them. I'm telling you, we need it as Christians to grow and to share our faith with others, okay? Okay. So if you're out there tonight and you just, you're seeking God or you have any inkling at all just to know more, uh, find relationship. Okay, find someone who just uh, seems like they know what they're kind of doing and they, they live a good faith and they look different than others and, and just, just build a friendship. Meet up once a week um, over coffee or whatever. Invite them into your home and just, and just ask questions and learn and, and love and, and be vulnerable. Uh, if you are kind of on the other side of things and you have a, have a private faith, you've always held more of a private faith, I want to challenge you uh, to share that with others because it's not okay to keep it in. Um, I want to challenge you to become a mentor. Now that's, I, I realize that's a lofty challenge, and even that word can, can kind of be like, oh, you know, I'm not good enough to be a mentor. I, I know that feeling. 
Um, you are, but if you're feeling a little bit uh, intimidated by even just the thought of being a mentor, that's okay. Just, just make a friend. Reach out to somebody and just, just start sharing your faith with them. Be willing to sacrifice yourself for this person and just see where it, see where it goes. Um, I think that one of the most amazing parts of the story is how God was able to use Jonah's disobedience uh, and turn it around, right? These sailors, the whole crew on the boat, never would have been uh, touched, never would have seen God's glory had, had Jonah not disobeyed. Now, I'm not telling you to go and disobey for this reason, uh, but God was able to redeem that. So if you've been running, if you've been on the ship to Tarshish for a while, man, jump off. Real faith isn't just like head knowledge. It's not just knowing these things. In fact, the Bible tells us that the demons know who God is and they shudder. <laughs> Real faith is trust. It's trusting in God. Um, lastly, you know, I, I can say that uh, I mean, even the Bible itself <laughs> was written by human hands. Uh, I myself am preaching to you right now. Those that have affected me are through You realize the way that we receive God's word in most or many cases is through human beings. And every one of you is called to be a part of that, to share his message with the world. If you would, just uh, bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for your challenging message. Thank you most of all for your love. You've, uh, man, you've, you've filled us up and you've shown us that, um, that you can save us. You've shown us your, your power and your glory. And I pray that you bless um, all of these people in the crowd tonight with just uh, a courage and a faith um, that goes deeper than surface level. Share your abundant life with everyone in this room and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen.